This episode of Blitzed is brought to you by Rip Curl, and with winter kicking in, it's time to get new rubber, and you can't do better than the Flash Bomb Fusion wetsuit. With the Fusion Dry Seam technology, you can stay warmer for longer in the revolutionary wetty with seams that do not leak. I just got together with Nick Pollett, and we've just finished making a new Rip Curl search edit with Mace, Mick, and Gabby somewhere in the uh, secret faraway realms of desert australia and mate they're all repping the flash bomb fusion weddy and they are freaking when we're going through all the footage you know there's there's big chunks of the boys holding up the weddies and talking about them just going these things are the best they've ever made so they're built using a hundred percent e7 flash lining the flash bomb fusion with the fusion dry seam technology it's the ultimate balance of flexibility warmth and durability so experience over 50 years of innovation fused into one weddy that is 96% stitch free. That's the Flash Bomb Fusion Wetsuit. Get it now at ripcurl.com. Competition surfing. Rashes. Oh, yeah. Maybe I can represents. Pure tour nerdism. How you going, man? Good. How are you? Yeah, good, good. How are you feeling? Good. Yeah, pretty pretty jet-lagged and just cruising home, which is pretty nice. True. Did you uh, did you get a sleep in or, or are you trying to stay awake? No, I've been up since like one. The swear the jet lag coming back from South Africa is fucked. Yeah, yeah. I remember it being pretty bad. It's a... Uh, Fuck yeah! It's a solid mission, man. I mean, what is the mission? It's a, a. It is so far. It's so far away. <laughs> it is a. You got to like. It's like what? It's forty-eight hours from Joburg to Sydney to Joburg, and then another hour and a bit to Port Elizabeth, and then an hour drive. Ouch! Holy shit! She's pretty far away, old South Africa. It is, man, but uh, you travelled far and you got some significant spoils for your toils, mate. <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was a fun event. Fuck, that one day it was pumping. Yeah, man. I mean, talk to us about that after the year of waves you've had on tour. How did it feel to be looking at six-foot pumping super tubes? Yeah, I mean, the, like, the whole year's been – we've been getting pretty scarred it's kind of been been pretty cooking before the event starts, and then as soon as the the period you know kicks off, it you know this world just disappears from us, which is pretty annoying. But um, yeah, I mean, fortunately, we got one day of of really good waves. It, you know, the forecast was changing so quick; it was changing every like six hours, so it was so hard to tell if it was going to be pumping or not. Like we thought the first day they ran, it was going to be pumping, and then it was slow and pretty small and yeah it was kind of it left left us uh with a few question marks for that one day but yeah it was good to wake up to you know six foot lines and I, I, like i reckon that's probably as good a size as j bay you know handles i think anything bigger would there would have been a lot of a lot more like you know fat ones but every wave was pretty much as good as it gets so it was pretty good to have a heat out there or two yeah, man. You had two absolute stonkers. Found some serious rhythm in the, uh, what was it, the, the elimination round heat with 
your sparring partner and the Aussie Onion teammate, Callum Robson. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Fuck. It was such a bummer that we had to match up so early. But, you know, it is what it is. There's only, you know, 20 of us. So it was bound to happen. And it was funny. We were talking about it. We thought it was going to happen in Brazil. We we're going to, like, match up in Brazil. But, yeah, the seeding, um, you know, went our way. But, yeah, J-Bay was, was it. And, yeah, I mean, it was it was pumping. So I guess that was uh, – a good thing, you know, version you made in pumping waves. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. And, uh, you end up with the, what was it? The highest single wave score of your career, a nine, five, seven in proper cooking conditions, as you mentioned. I mean, what did that do for you? Yeah. I mean, as a goofy footer surfing J Bay, you know, I guess we're not, you know, meant to, to perform, you know, as good as the natural footers. Um, but, I think at that size, you know, we can we can match them with, you know, our backside can match the 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 natural footers, you know, big long calves, drawn out calves. So it was a good size for us, and um, you know, just a bit of a slower pace to be able to, you know, go vertical but also carve on the face as well. Um, so yeah, managed to to get two pretty good backside waves that were a real slow pace, and I was able to kind of go up and down a couple times and. Yeah, it was a weird one because Cal kind of – Cal gave me the first eight. He, he didn't go. It looked a bit fat and I was like – in my head, I'm like, oh, this is the best backside wave ever. And, yeah, he, he didn't go and I think he thought that there was more out the back or something. So, yeah, it put me in a good rhythm for for the nine after after the eight. Um, <coughs> you know, especially with Cal not having too much of a score before that. So, um, yeah, the nine was, was sick. You know, the wave was – fucking unbelievable it was just like i said a really good pace and i was able to kind of you know hit it real hard off the first section and then kind of surf my way through to the end and not, you know stay on my feet so yeah i'm stoked yeah that first turn was a vicious tomahawk man <laughs> you just absolutely clubbed the lip the timing was so perfect and uh, yeah, it was funny like i feel like it i was saying to myself on that one i'm like okay i'm gonna hit this first section real hard because I think at the one of the first waves I got a six five and I was like fuck I was kind of bummed because I didn't push push hard enough and yeah I guess having the eight and the six freed me up to just go All right, I'm just gonna just bash this thing as hard as I can and you know deal with whatever happens after um, and yeah it worked out pretty well for me which is pretty sick. Yeah, that's so interesting, man, because uh, it does seem to be the formula that, that gets the judge's attention. Uh, it, it's really having that freedom and that, that confidence. And it, surfing is quite unique in this respect. Like, I don't know if there's a sport that fluctuates as much with confidence as surfing does. Like, you know, it matters in all arenas. But when you're off in surfing at your level, it, it's like you're a different person, you know, and, and the same goes for when you're on, as we're seeing with Ian Gentil at the moment, and we've seen that with Jack Chianka at the start of the year. Yeah. Like it, and I feel like with surfing, it, it can happen so quickly too. You know, it can happen in, within a matter of a few surfs. You just kind of aren't feeling it. And then, you know, I feel like it's a lot to do with your mental state more so than physical. You know, especially with, you know, the level where all that is, you know, you're surfing against the best in the world and you're surfing with them all the time. And if you don't feel like you're on your game, you know, you're watching everyone else rip hard and you're like, fuck, I've got to surf real good because they're all surfing good. And, you know, it's a domino effect after that. So I think 
a lot of it really is is you know more mental than it is physical. You know, you have a lot of you know you can have a lot of bad surfs, but depending on how shallow you take them and and all that, and just move forward and go, yeah, fuck, that was a bad surf. You know, we we all have bad surfs, and that's just normal, um, regardless of whoever's surfing good that day. Um, that's the the key thing that you know. I feel like I've slowly learnt and learned a lot more this year than than previous on the tour. Kind of just going, you know, fuck. I'm surfing good on Monday. That's okay. I'm surfing bad on Monday. That's still okay. Um, you know, I'm not trying to to prove myself in the free surfs and get caught up in that whole, you know, oh, I've got to show my show to people that. You know, I'm getting clips before the free surf so they can see I'm ripping, so therefore I'm going to get a good result kind of thing. Um, but I guess that just comes with maturity and, you know, the years you have on tour, the more you learn and the more you get used to kind of your surroundings. Absolutely, man. Yeah, it, it's fascinating because, you know, on your bad days uh, as potentially a younger or, or, or less mature competitor, you can believe that toxic self-talk, you know, you can buy into that and it can run you down and it can become a belief uh, that you're not good enough and you don't belong. And man, uh, you know, if you think in that way, there is almost no chance you're going to perform because, uh, you know, surfing relies not only on uh, basically surfing out of your skin on every wave, uh, but also being able to read the ocean like Braille and, and be on the best waves. And, you know, you look at Callum giving you that aid at the start, that heat, that's a classic example of a, a surfer who's not really in rhythm at the moment. Um, you know, he's in an interesting situation at the moment. He seems to have lost his mojo and confidence a bit. Um, <coughs> And I, I guess that the proof is in the in the pudding in, in performances like that. He would have expected himself to do really well there, and I'm, I'm sure performed well below his expectations. Yeah, for sure. Like I mean, for someone like Cal, he's so young, and you know, he's he's got so many many more years on tour, and it's just a part of you know the process that he's going through at the moment. We all, you know, I've gone through it. Um, yeah, it's just a matter of you know, taking the constructive criticism on board that, you know, gets given to him by, you know, micro and things like that. And then just kind of moving forward and getting over it. Um, you know, like I said, we all go, we all have our slumps and I think Cal, you know, I feel like he's still having a great year and he's still surfing really good. Yeah. He's just kind of having one of them little moments right now, but he's so determined and so focused and, you know, always striving to get better. So yeah, it's it's definitely only a short term thing and you know, he'll come to go to Chopes and send himself over the falls and have a good time getting bailed and then come in next year guns blazing again, I reckon. Oh, hundred percent, man. I mean he's got the work ethic, uh, he's got the people around him. And I guess it is just a, another example of the fact that you must train the mind as much as you train the body. It really is that simple. Um, and a lot of people can, can yeah, uh, negate that or forget that in, in both sport and life. 100%. It's, it's kind of nearly more mental than it's physical. You know, if you've got a good mental capacity and you, you train thoughts, you know, on, on the right path, you know, instinctually, you, everything will just happen. And you'll be like, holy shit, you know, and that's that whole, I guess, that whole flow state that people talk about. And 
um, you know, your, your instincts come out and you, you're barely even thinking and you're just kind of reacting to whatever's in front of you. And, um, you know, if you don't have a good mind, you know, everything falls apart. So I think, yeah, definitely as I've got older, I've kind of tried to focus a bit more on the mental side and, you know, being a bit more aware of the emotions that I think of and, and all that. Um, yeah, and physical, yeah, I guess physical's important too, just sort of injury prevention and things like that and trying to get stronger and fitter and whatever. But, um, yeah, I think mentally, if you're mentally strong, um, you're going to do better off than, you know, for someone who's physically strong but mentally kind of fragile. Mm, mm, yeah. And, I mean, your performance against John following the, you know, serious, well, it was a bit of a, a flogging that you gave to Callum, but – Coming up against John, uh, you know, at, at firing supers, you're down a 9.23 within minutes, uh, only to claw your way back into that heat and get the win after the buzzer, or at least it was announced after <laughs> yeah. the buzzer. I mean, it doesn't get more dramatic than that, but it also doesn't get more satisfying that in terms of what you had to overcome uh, in keeping your composure and, and sticking to your guns. Like, man, uh, talk us through that. What a performance it was. Yeah, thanks. I feel like it was it was kind of frustrating at the start because I I had the inside and you know the it was the the overlapping heats, so I was just kind of um, feeling out the lineup and seeing where the other two were, and um, this little wave came and I just kind of let it go, and and then I just heard him, I just heard the commentator going, "He's in the barrel, he's still in the barrel." I'm like, "Oh, you're fucking kidding me!" The wave was like one foot, and if I was had to have that heat again. I still would have let him go that way because it was just the smallest. Like it had a little, it had a double up in it, but it was just as goofy for you. You know, you're not going to get more than a four or miles like that. So yeah, it was pretty. It was a little bit frustrating. I was just like, "Fucking hell!" Like he takes off on a two foot wave and gets a nine. Like fuck it's anyway. And I was just like, "Okay, hey, just got to like go back to what I need to do um, instead of try and do the things he does um, because." I feel like for me, yeah, my game plan <clears throat> uh, definitely is a little bit more, was a little bit more like simple than I guess his, you know, because he's, he can get barreled and, you know, he's got a lot, lot more variety, but I was kind of looking for a, a certain type of wave and a certain type of pace on a wave and to be able to kind of match his, you know, Larry's and his calves on the face, um, I needed to kind of pick those certain waves and yeah, I guess, I just the waves are pumping, so it was kind of hard to. It was easy to not go. I'm getting flogged, kind of thing. Like it was, there was a lot of chances, and you know, in 40 minutes, I knew that there was going to be, you know, a few chances, and it was good to get back in the mix with that eight seven. <coughs> um, and then, yeah, you know, leading needing an eight four in the last 10 minutes or so, I was with priority, and I was like, well. You know, I wasn't overly stressed. It was just kind of like, okay, if this wave comes, I'll give it give it a bit. You know, I'll push hard and try and make a score. And if it doesn't come, it doesn't come kind of thing. And the wave itself was kind of not that good. I kind of got caught behind. And then, yeah, it just was like, okay, fuck, I've just got to belt everything that's in front of me. And, yeah, clicked on a few. And then the last section, I was just like, okay, I've got to give this fucking everything I have because – in my mind, you know, I'm a pretty harsh critic and I was like, you know, I'm not going to get the 8-4 that I need kind of thing. So I just kind of 
gave it heaps of berries on the last section and made it. And then it was funny. I came in and the commentator was already like, congratulations, John, John Florence, the end of the quarters. So I was like, oh, fuck, I must have read it out. It must have been a fucking six or something. And then I, they didn't read it out for like 10 minutes. I was already up the top and, you know, sitting with dog and just kind of like, what do you reckon? And dog's, you know, pretty harsh as well on what he – you know, what he thought and he was kind of like, might be just under, who knows, um, you know, but I think that last term was really good and, yeah, I, I guess it was just one of them ones that went my way and um, I'm stoked about, but, yeah, it was a crazy heat. It was good to, it was sick to be a part of because I feel like I haven't had a heat, you know, that exciting like that in a while. You know, even if I lost, I would have still had 17 points and it would have been a great heat and, um yeah, to be able to come over the top of it was was sick, especially against John at J Bay. Like, just to be able to match, you know, go toe to toe with him was one thing, but to be able to kind of bring it out at the end was was definitely a um, a career highlight for sure. Amazing man, uh, and, and uh, as you mentioned, like uh, there was a bit of conjecture around the result. Uh, I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've watched the heat back. What, what was your take on it all? Yeah, I mean, there's. Everyone's got their opinion, right? You know, everyone's blowing up, saying, fuck, you know, you didn't get the score or whatever. I mean, I think I think John's nine was really high. Mm. And everyone, I guess everyone in the area and stuff was saying the same thing. Um, and it was, all, I feel like regardless of his nine, uh, his nine, if it was, you know, a seven, it would have been, it would have made a bit more sense. Um then I wouldn't have needed as much and then maybe it was still the score anyway. Like I still feel like I still feel like I won the heat looking back at it. <coughs> um, it was a close one and it still could have went either way. But yeah, I just think, you know, they went a bit high on John's first one and then they just had to kind of scale it back or, or you know, compare the nine to every wave I had. Um, so, yeah, I mean... A lot of people are blown up, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, man. I, I think it's just a case of the, the vocal minority. I, I think most people understood that. The, the right surfer won that heat. And I think the, the judges may have had to fudge the numbers a bit at the end there uh, to make up for the fact that they did definitely get the scale wrong at the start. I mean, that that was not a 9-2-3. That they ate that tube up more than they should have. It was a small wave. Um, so... At the end of the day, they're there to decide uh, the winner of the heat as opposed to, you know, we can banter about the, the single wave scores, but uh, ultimately I've, I've heard Pratamo say stuff like that in the past that uh, their, their main goal is is to make sure the right surfer wins the heat. For sure, yeah. I mean, it was really – I feel like at, it was a little bit frustrating, you know, when social media was blowing up saying that, you know, I didn't get the score. Like they're comparing, you know, my eight uh, one at the end with one of John's waves, but none of it showed his nine. Like there wasn't one clip on there, or posted or anything that showed his nine two three. So I was just like, well, fuck. You know, if that's not on there, that should be comparing with my last wave, right? You know, because I needed an eight four or whatever. And then everyone's just blowing up. So it's pretty, it was pretty funny. You know, it's actually a situation I've kind of never really been in. So it was kind of funny, you know, people blowing up. I like had this guy, <laughs> had this guy comment on one of the videos and his Instagram was Oki is a kook or something. And he's just like, 
you just there's people going like, yeah, fuck you. You shouldn't surf the next heat. You should just give let John surf. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, give me a break. Mate, that is a, another reason to steer well clear of social media. It is so much more toxic than we realise. Holy shit. Oh, it's just what an like, idiot. Oh, no. It's, it's just so funny how everyone's got such an opinion and they love just – don't know if they love just telling everyone and doors, I don't know, trying to get likes for it or something. I don't know. Sterling Spencer called me a grom. That was pretty funny. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, if I'm a grom, I must be a huge grom. <laughs> you look like you're big enough to be eating groms. You're giant. <laughs> Are you yeah. so it's pretty funny. I mean, it's just, it's a funny, like I said, I've never had or been in the situation of like this whole debacle before. And, you know, it was, pr- it was pretty funny to kind of go through the, the comments and see what people thought. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, overall, I feel like, it was a very entertaining heat if it went either way. Um, it was still, you know, one of the one of the better heats that I've ever had. So to be able to just match it with him at Pump and J-Bay as a goofy footer um, was, yeah, a huge highlight for me. Mate, totally. And it's a real shame that people are so fixated on the controversy and not the quality of that heat because it was uh, pretty much the best heat of the year. And in all time conditions, and it was so good to see two different approaches, backside versus frontside. Uh, man, it was an absolute special. A 50-50 call, you got the rub. It happens fucking every day in competitive surfing. So, yeah, yeah it's it's funny. Like, yeah, like you said, we've both got two polar opposite approaches to the wave. And, yeah, it was just funny how there was a lot of people that was just like so hooked on the fact that I'd, of my last wave that they the whole up the rest of the heat just didn't even matter or it seemed like it just didn't matter like people were just like fuck oh i'm blown up like it's like fuck get over it oh mate totally i i'm actually just reading a book called stolen focus it's about the the mechanics of social media and, and the fact that uh rage and, and anger and indignation just gets more likes more hits and and trends higher so you know you can yeah. pretty whole- much put it down to that Really? The fucking Oki is a kook Instagram. That was the one that got me. That was fucking hilarious. Mate, is that got some kind of goofy foot bigot? <laughs> no of... idea, but sounds like he some obviously, kind of hate crime. He's obviously got no skill level in surfing whatsoever if he's throwing that on his gram. Commenting That's for sure. on a J-Bay heat with a handle saying Oki's a kook is like just <laughs> the wildest, wildest <laughs> misappropriation of facts. What a disgrace. <laughs> oh, fuck. Mate, um, just just quickly, like looking at your results this year. I mean, bar Portugal, every single one of them has come in a, a rippable right reef or, or right point of some description. Uh, Bells, Margs, El Salvador, now J Bay, all quarterfinal finishes. Like, what have you and Dog pinpointed in your backhand attack that that's getting the the nod from the judges? Um, I guess we're just trying to trying to figure out what those judges want from us. Um, you know, I feel like it It took a little bit of changing, you know, my approach, um, <clears throat> just looking at what they, what they wanted and what they didn't like and what they thought, you know, wasn't necessary to do. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, you know, dog's, dog's job and my job is to do everything we can to try and impress those five guys that are, you know, judging us and, um, 
yeah, I guess just just a few little like different approaches backside, um, you know, to kind of throw a bit more water and make it look like you know, make it make a turn look very impactful instead of, you know, I feel like it's easier surfing at the end of the day, but um, you know that tight stuff they don't really they don't back it too hard, and even though you know going tight in the lip is one of the harder backside maneuvers to do. Um, you know, they just want to see speed and, um, I guess, smooth transition from rail to rail, um, which is, yeah, it's funny because it seems simpler um, as a goofy footer and as, as a guy who goes backside a lot. Um, but identifying that and just running with that. Um, and I feel like for me as well, you know, not overdoing things, you know, maybe doing less turns but making them more impactful instead of doing, you know, two extra turns on a wave. You know, miss happy to, you know, be happy to miss sections to be able to create more wow moments on the wave. Mm. Um, is something that I've def- definitely been working on this year with Dog. And I think a lot to do with it is boards too. Um, been working with, did a lot of work with DH in the off-season last year changing boards and not changing them, but just kind of, I guess, accepting the fact that I'm a big guy and riding bigger boards. You know, I went up in volume. Oh, <coughs> I went up an inch. So I went from 6.1 last year to 6.2s. Went from 30 litres to like 32.2-ish, um, which was pretty weird, you know, like – to be able to go up in volume and up in inches um, was a bit scary for me just because it was new, but it made everything seem bigger, you know, all my, all my surfing. And like I said before, I'm a big guy. So, you know, harnessing and taking advantage of being a big guy um, and doing big turns is something that the judges wanted to see. And um, yeah, I guess a mold of the good off season with, with DH and be able to work with him up up in Lennox and being able to go to the Goldie and back and forth, being so close to him. Um, and then, yeah, just a few of the, I guess, less is, it's pretty much just less is more for me, you know, making big turns big and um, being accepting of, you know, missing sections if it's going to allow me to do bigger turns. Um, so, yeah. Oh, I love that, man. That's a fascinating insight. Uh, and, yeah, it's undeniable. Just the sheer amount of water you're displacing on those vertical hits, oh, man, <coughs> it's like it, it's pretty groundbreaking stuff. So you've definitely <laughs> – yeah, it's undeniable, man. It's wild to see. I mean, we get to see it up here in the flesh fairly regularly, and I'm sure that's also been a, a big part of your, your development with your backhand surfing is living in close proximity to you know several of the – world's best right points. Um, oh, 100%. I think that's, you know, I was actually thinking that, thinking about, you know, the whole me moving up here and I feel like I wouldn't be the surfer I am today, you know, if, it, if I didn't make the move up here and being able to, you know, constantly do constant repetition of backside surfing and having the, I guess, time on a wave to be able to, you know, constantly practice and do what I need to do because it 
resonates so much to the tour and, you know, every there's so many rights on tour, so it makes sense. Um, and I feel like if I was still in Cronulla, I definitely would be hunting a lot more lefts and, you know, a bit more slabby waves and and stuff like that just because that's kind of all there is in Cronulla. Um, so to be able to move up here and, like I said, get constant reps up on, um, yeah, getting better at going right um, and getting better at going right on a right point because um, I feel like it's so different to, to like beach break surfing on your backhand where it's just kind of like short and quick. You know, it really takes a lot of time and patience and, um, yeah, not having a – not it being accepting of not rushing because mm. the way long and, um, yeah, I guess having it in my backyard has led me to all the results that I've had this year for sure. Totally, man. Yeah, and, and it's interesting to note just J-Bay, how important it is to, to sync up with the rhythm and tempo of that wave. Like, you know, I've been there – three times and seeing the world's best really struggle to, to, to meet the, the pace of that wave and, and pick the good ones. And yeah, just that ability not to rush uh, and, and pick your moments out there far out. I, I, I can only imagine, yeah, waves like, you know, the ones out the front have helped in that respect. They, they look very similar in some ways, you might even say. For sure. There's definitely a lot of similarities, you know, more so to, to El Salvador than there is J-Bay. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of similarities in, both those waves to to where we are and um like I said, just to be able to have constant repetition of of doing it over and over again whenever whenever I'm at home, but then also having great being able to have great R and D to relay back to DH on the boards because, you know, the waves that we have are world tour locations anyway, or somewhat pretty similar. So it's cool to be able to, you know, have somewhere like the point that allows us to to have or get to be able to retain all that R&D and then take it on to to the year you know to the to the tour season absolutely man and uh, uh before I let you go I do need to get your take on Phil Toledo because uh yeah he was pretty next level I mean Ethan was mind melting at times too but <coughs> it's pretty hard to ignore the numbers Philippe was was putting up all event long uh, what was a nine nine three in the final versus Ethan? Uh, I think it was like an eighteen plus combined total. A nine six three against Jack Robbo. A nine six three against Rio. Talk us, uh, talk us through where Philippe's at the moment, and uh, yeah, just w- what you made of his performance there. Yeah, he was mind blown. Like, no, I I think no one was going to beat him that event from day dot. Like, and then as soon as you know it was small for the final day we're all just like fuck as a goofy footer it was near impossible to make any heats if you're matching up against a natural footer on that last day just because you know when it's small it's pretty much just a fast closeout um so yeah waking up you know losing early against eth and then just kind of watching philippe do what he did the rest of the day yeah it was he was pretty much near unbeatable he was unbeatable, really. Like he, just the way he surfs and the way it's it's so fascinating to me how hard he surfs, but always has so much speed. You know, he's never never in trouble with you know getting stuck behind or or anything, and he can just hit things as hard as he can, and then he just deals with whatever happens after and just keeps going. And um, 
yeah, it's it was it was really mind blowing how good he was surfing, you know, that event and even that last day. Um because fuck, I could barely even do a turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with that west direction in it, it, it was just a fast closeout, like you mentioned. Uh, and it, it's pretty crazy to see a surfer not really give anyone a sniff. Uh, the entire event, he was just in, in such commanding form, absolutely dominating as he's done there in the past. Speaking of sniffs, what about that white that was sniffing Rio? Are you kidding me? I know. Oh, What's what, what? What was the reaction uh, among competitors when when that footage emerged? That was so heavy. Fuck, we were all. It was funny. Ryan and I were in the water as well. We were like just a little bit further up the point from Rio. They had those like this expression session thing on because um, they weren't sure if the comp was going to run. So they're like, "Fuck, we're just going to do this expression session. We're just going to like block the lineup so you guys can catch a few waves and everyone can watch while make a call." And then fuck, now like. Oh, there's a shark. So we're like, oh, okay, we'll go in. Sure enough, when we got to the beach, we saw the footage of how close the thing was. Fucking hell, no one, no one even knew. It was so fucking wild. Man, that that's the wildest, one of the wildest interactions I've ever seen. Like, it's so scary. You're just watching it going, oh, my God, oh, no, no. It's like yeah. a full Jaws moment. And the fact it gets that close to him and he's completely – oblivious it's just remarkable man yeah it it was one of the heaviest things i've ever seen because i guess the the water was so blue but it was just going in and out with the sand you know and um yeah fuck yeah i guess you 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 know surfing jabez a lot of rocks and a lot of shadows and everything that everything looks like nearly looks like a shark when you look down so i mean it's just wild how it could have been so bad but the fact that those sharks just like the just that split decision of if it wanted to eat you or not, it's fucking so scary. <laughs> oh, like it could have easily just just fucking chomped at someone, but it didn't, and just went, yeah, I'm just cruising. Like it's fucking bizarre. It's bizarre. It's so hard to fathom how often that level of interaction happens, and and yet how few people get chomped it's yeah it just made me realize like there's there'd be so many times where a shark just swims underneath you and just you know you have no clue and you just hold on with your day and especially out there like they just go through the lineup they have no you know real interest in eating anyone they're just going back to you know wherever they were up the point you know around where magnitudes are they just go from the, the bottom they just go for a swim go down the to the bottom, bottom of J-Band and swim all up, mosey on back up and then around the corner they go. It's so crazy because there was one year that there was one big shark that had come around like three or four o'clock for like four days in a row from the bottom of the point to the top. Wow. And it was like clockwork. It was crazy. Like they just don't have any interest. They're just swimming. They're just swimming home kind of thing or swimming to back to where they – Want to go? Yeah. Well, apparently the the science says that if a shark gets a feed in a certain place, they tend to map the <coughs> they tend to map the uh, bottom contours and and they they really understand the lay of the land in that spot where they're getting a feed, and they'll generally hang there or return there pretty frequently because they just know how to get a feed in that zone. Um, so yeah, you know, it's like walking through a food desert uh, out on the highway versus you know. Stopping it at the Sizzler Buffet. You're going to go to the Sizzler yeah. Buffet. It was just funny. 
Like, I just feel like it, it didn't seem like the shark was close to us. They just said, hey, there's a shark. I think we should, you know, everyone go in. And then none of us realised how close it was until we saw all the footage because, yeah, because me and Ryan were like, oh, yeah, fuck, there's a shark, whatever. And there was a few drones flying around. We're like, okay, maybe that's where the shark is. So the fact that it would have went on, it would have swam under Ryan and I as well is so fucking scary. And we had no idea whatsoever. Wouldn't have had a clue as well. Like, it's fucking psycho. It's psycho. Yeah, it's crazy how, like, you just go, that split decision where they just go, yeah, I feel like eating someone today. You know, we're so helpless in the ocean. Like they, they make the last call at the end of the day. We're just a part of it. It's so nuts. It is so nuts, man. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's not something that you, you tend to contemplate as much as you should maybe just to be fully grateful for every surf that you come in from alive. hundred percent. hundred God damn. Well, man, uh, finally, off the chopes, uh, where, you know, you put it on a, on a solid performance last year in some serious consequential conditions uh, before going down to the goat. How, how psyched are you to get to the end of the road? Yeah, it's sick. I've been barreled for so long, so I'm probably going to go, <laughs> yeah, pack a couple left pits and finish the year off, hopefully, uh, yeah, with a few, uh, few good tubes and, um, you know, maybe a trophy. We'll see. <laughs> Unreal, mate. Best of luck. Thanks so much for your time and uh, get a good rest. Cheers, sweetie.